So it's your homegirl, Ronika, and we are back for another episode of the series, What's Your Why, for the Please Do Tell podcast. Today, we got one of my good homies, Denard, in the building with us, and he's going to be chopping it up with us, but we want him to first introduce himself. But before that, um, this What's Your Why series, so a lot of people have asked, like, you know, what made you who you are today? Are you doing it for your sister, your brother, your parents, your ancestors? Who are you doing it for? What's your, what was that turning point in your life that made you who you are? What is your why? What is your purpose right now and moving forward? in your life. So I'm going to throw it over to, to Denar. He's going to introduce himself and then we're going to get into some story time and some conversations. So okay. Denar, okay. what's up? Choo choo. Hey. All, right. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, my name is Denard Fernand, right? And I am basically from Fort Pierce, Florida. Nobody knows where that's at, right? Nobody. Uh, but if you've ever been to Florida, there's this long thing called the turnpike and it's actually the last toll plaza on the turnpike. And the thing about my city is very similar to anyone that has been to Benton Harbor, very similar to Benton Harbor. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way I could describe uh, my myself and my upbringing is simply this. The way I knew I was home when, and what I'm trying to share with everybody is that I transitioned to Benton Harbor to go to school for theology and social work in 2016. But the main thing I'm trying to share is that I knew I was in my second home because when I drove past Barrier Springs, which is another remote location with nothing. <laughs> and uh, I drove to Benton Harbor. The place that I recognized was home was when I saw Save A Lot juxtaposed to a beauty supply store. So I hopped out my car and I knew I was home. But that's my sense of home. I'm 36 years of age. Um, I'm of Haitian descent, you know, um, and also I'm a proud father of now two children. Uh, We have one that's coming in May, uh, two boys, so I'm a boy dad. Um, And the best part of me, shout out to her right now, is Olda Fanad. She's also from Florida, but uh, Fort Lauderdale. It's actually a mostly, uh, one of the second, I would say second mostly known city in Mm -hmm. Florida. So that's a little bit about me, but you actually had me thinking about this, um, this story about my childhood. Before we get there. So oh, you stopping me. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Cause you know, the segment that we're going to roll into, cause we talked about it a little bit earlier today is at the playground. And if you have been under a rock or not watching the other that, episodes, that. you know that the guests this season have been talking about like certain stories that have shaped them into who they are. So the reason why we do at the playground is because I had three years in elementary school with no recess. So I'm catching up on some story time. So Dinar, I want to hear your at the playground story. We ready? Uh, First and foremost, that's, that's pure punishment (laughs) not to have recess. Um, And I, I want to put two stories together uh, in my childhood. Uh, But my, I want to say fondest memory and the playground was really not going to recess, but why they wouldn't let me go to recess. Right. Uh, So I was that one since early on, I was what they called a (laughs) troublemaker Uh, or like my parents would like to put it with no, no negative connotation. I was called a star. I always liked to shine. 
And so, yeah, 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 shine. But the problem was I shined at the expense of others. So I would, I would like, basically we had these little beds that you had to sleep on after recess to go to sleep. And so because I wanted all the girls to be near me, what I would do is take all the other boys' stuff, I would hide them, and I would put all the rest I would have. Like, I had one long bed, and then I had the other girls' beds right next to me. So I was constantly in timeout because I was moving people's bed. However, I would say the fondest memory, and in, in anyone that has done recess, you know the thing about uh, recess is actually going to the swings. It's swings or monkey bars. That's how I met some of my best friends. Come on now. On Come on now. Come on now. Shout yeah. out to Demeter. Hey. Yeah. hey. But so I remember my first time on the swing seeing everybody flip off the swing set. They would swing as high as they could. And so because I'm always someone trying to outdo everybody else, I was like, okay, I'm going to go higher and I'm going to flip uh, uh, more. The problem was this was my first time. <laughs> So I didn't know that you're actually supposed to hold on and let go at a certain point in time. Okay. So I, the teacher kept telling me to come down. It was time to go in. But I'm, again, I'm a star. I wanted to wait till everybody was looking. And so everyone was looking. Y'all know how this is about to end, but nah, come on, I'm a star. But I, I got at the peak of it, and one hand got stuck for me to do my flip. And so what I did was just grab the bottom of the swing and I continued to swing off of it and I ended up flipping. At this time, I could flip by myself. So I flipped down and I got the cheers of all the girls and then, you know, they were all next to my little bed at the end. So uh, the story ends well. <laughs> hey. Yep, that's how the girls used to look at me, just like you're looking at me right now. Appreciate it. Tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. Thank you. So I want you to tell us about how that star quality mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from childhood made you into the person that you are today, Dinar as the star. What is your why? Mm, mm. What is your why? How did that stardom turn you into who you are? But we really want to know, what is your why? Man, that's that's such a huge question. It is. But I, I'll be honest, like, what I realized is my why didn't actually become as important till I knew my who, mm. right? Um, and I'll probably <laughs> tear up a little bit That's when I fine. think about this. But, um, no, nah, I can't get my makeup messed up. But, but I, I'll say two big, <laughs> two big moments why the star um, became very pivotal for me was um, – as a child, I didn't even notice the the difference of terminology my parents would use. They would like people would call me a juvenile delinquent, mm -hmm. but my parents was like, "Oh, he just he's 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 a star. He likes attention, you know." And it was more positive mm -hmm. connotation. But later on down, like I want to say, that always wanting to get other people to laugh. I didn't realize. Come on now, you you get it, you get it, you just like I me. Get it. Yes, yeah, I, I, right. I saw your little yeah. walk there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if y'all don't know, she celebrates my dancing. But the gist is, I, I fast forward and I see um, in a at a very pivotal moment in my life where I didn't feel like a star, mm. right? Um, I lost everything, and this was um, college, like in um, 2008. Um, I'm at a point where I feel 
no shine, no attention, mm -hmm. um, lost everything that made sense to me. And uh, I sought to take my life. Right. Um, so I, I had suicide ideation, uh, basically contemplated suicide. But what was interesting, and this is my why, um, when I chose to get in the car to drive it, in Tallahassee, there's this main highway, I-10. Um, it's a straight, straight shot. Um, but I chose to drive this straight shot till it actually curved, but I wasn't going to curve. I was just going to keep going straight to fly off onto a ravine. Mm. So the short version of this is uh, my why became my who when I realized that I wasn't the one that stopped the car, right? Um, and for those that don't believe and for those that do believe, the only thing I ask people to realize is that my experience, I don't question. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so after that, I realized that God had a purpose for me, you know, um, and that's when I overcame my own ego because I wanted to be a star. But I realized that I was just something that the light was shining through. Right. And that helped me to start learning how to encourage other people more. You know, and um, so my, my why became a who because God started teaching me that um, he's the source and I'm just a resource. Um, but then when in 20, I want to say 2020, when my wife and I, older, we welcomed our son, Canaan, mm -hmm. man, that like even talking about it, that who changed me even more. Yeah. You know, and this is, and just to give some context, I think this, a lot of people understand that there was a pandemic, a global pandemic, mm -hmm. um, but there was also the, 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 the pandemic of like the racial issues that were going on. Yeah. Um, with Ahmaud Arbery, I'm an alum of, shout out to Florida Agricultural Mechanical University, FAMU. Uh, it's an HBCU. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and during this time, just seeing how, uh, uh, a mother is crying and has actually raised her child, but he's being taken away from him. And that it was in that moment I was able to stare in my son's eyes, and he gave me a a, a purpose to live beyond myself. Mm -hmm. You know, so my why is really based on my who. Um, it's based on God, my family, and friends that actually helped me to realize that I have people that I can cheer on even when I feel like I'm not cheery inside, you mm -hmm. know. So that's that's my star now. My star is never dimmed because I have people in my life. You know, so that's that's my story, and that's I'm sticking to so it. So good. Now I know we've had a a conversation before about um, like you being from Haiti and yeah, yeah, yeah. the culture and all of that. How did that shape you into who you oh, are? Oh man, man because you, you have to think it's so many of us, especially <laughs> black folks, that we we like we don't okay. know where we came okay. from. But it's like you have a root cause. Like yeah. this is this is my culture. This is yeah. who I am. Yeah. So okay. how did that shape you into who you are? Man, you're going deep. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So so just just a point of clarification. So I'm actually uh, so the way I, I I introduce myself basically I I'm. Uh, uh, Haitian American, or I would say I'm black African American mm -hmm. of Haitian descent. Cause I was actually born in Florida, but, um, I take huge pride in my culture and the right. Haitian culture. Um, not just because what you see historically being the first wet in the Western hemisphere to actually gain its independence. But here's, here's why I would say at the age of 12, I actually had, um, a chance to visit Haiti. So I've been to Haiti at least three times minimum. 
Um, I, the other time, I don't want to recall because it was not a great time for me because I had bubble guts. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, TMI, but y'all get to know the family, y'all family right now. So, yeah, yeah. but here, it's a very great question because before then, I knew I was Haitian simply because there was, during the time, there was, a, uh, I want to say, a negative connotation with Haitians um, in my hood. Like, uh, you're people that eat chickens, you're people oh. that do voodoo, okay. you know, so... I didn't really take pride in it the way I do now, um, but I still knew I was Haitian because most people don't know Creole is my first tongue. You know, that's the that's how I was raised. Uh, I learned all my scriptures in French, you know. Um, so uh, uh, as I grew and then when I went to Haiti, man, do y'all know black is be- it's beautiful. It is. Everything I saw on TV about Haiti mm-hmm. from the airport, um, Haiti, and just to give some historical context, one of the reasons it was the richest in the hemisphere, Western hemisphere at that time is because of sugar canes um, and, and, and the industry of that that it brought forth. And when you leave the airport, the very first thing you see is a field of sugar canes, right? And so you see the richness that once was, but at the same time, I saw a little kid in his diapers that a penny fell out my pocket and he's running towards it, right? Mm. Um, and where me, I don't count pennies anymore. And so just fast forwarding, um, I'm seeing along the way when we're going to my dad, my dad is my mom and dad are from Lagonav and and Lagonav is a other island right um, um, off Haiti because, you know, Haiti's a peninsula and you have Haiti and Dominican Republic. And so as we take the we're going to take this boat to go to Lagonav. Um, oh, man. I'll just fast forward because this is a, it's, it's going to make ahead. me emotional. Uh, go ahead. We, that's but, what we want to hear. <laughs> I'm just going to say, like, you see you see kids that don't have like I'm telling you, I'm being honest. In my dad's um, hometown, they don't have no running water. They don't have electricity. You know, I come from Florida. Like we complain in the church about when the mics are going off, mm. you know, when they not consistent. They come to church in full out suits. And you know that's something they spent years to have. And they come in and it's the same suit, right? Uh, and But you see the kids on the side of the road. They actually have this big tire. And they don't have electricity, but they're finding a way to make power out of batteries to just to have light in their homes. Mm-hmm. And it was in that moment, man, I knew my people were resilient. Not because of their history, but because they're not letting their present living circumstance not let them have access to more. Man, so, like, when I left Haiti, man, like, nobody could tell me I wasn't Haitian. Nobody could tell me I wasn't Haitian. Nobody could tell me Haiti's not beautiful. Nobody could tell me, like, even the people in my Haitian community that at times would say, because you weren't born in Haiti, you're not Haitian. They couldn't tell me anymore because I went to Haiti, I saw the people, I speak the language, and I understand that I can give back to my culture. Mm. So um, it, it transformed the my sense of pride. And it didn't, I didn't allow someone else to tell me the narrative of my family or my people or my community. So now when someone tells, tries to tell me about the history of Haiti, I say, you don't need to tell me I've seen it, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and I am it. So that's, that's the gist of my story. It's one thing that you just said about you speak the native tongue. Yeah. And my sister being an educator, she, I mean, she has students from all over the world. Come on now. And the first thing she'll tell the parents is, 
make sure they do not disconnect from their culture. Like, still come on now, teach them about their native. Come tongue. on now. So, I want to know, especially what was because that was back then. Like, she, we're talking about now. Uh-huh. She's saying that, but back then, have you ever had a conversation with your parents about how important that has been to keep that culture alive in the household? Come on now. And then now that you are you and older parents, mm-hmm. how important it is to pass that on. Okay, 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 man. Yeah, you got to prepare me for the, <laughs> deep, the depth of these questions. This is girl. as it's coming. This no, is no, as no, it's no, coming. No. I receive it. I receive it. So um, even now, I think there's a constant struggle between, like, creating your own cultural context, right, in your home and being okay with it versus um, understanding the culture that should be passed on, right? Um, and I think that I would say I think there should be a balance um, like, for example, um, although English is not my first language, I spent a majority of my time in the educational s- system of America, right? Um, so uh, it has, in a way, influenced me because I realized at one point in time I was asking my mom and dad, like, why don't we eat at a table, you know? Um, whereas my parents, that's, that's never been their custom because, one, they couldn't mm. afford a table, right? Okay, okay. But, two, it's you eat whenever you can. Because there's other things to do, right? So in the Haitian culture, I would say, like, even in the context of our our liberation story, community has always been big. But two things you know about the Haitian culture that always will be passed down is food and music. Food and music. So you'll you'll know, like, even from the, 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 the viewpoint of those that are, like, not necessarily, you'll hear compa music, which is more secular, but it's actually... Our, our music for carnival or or you have in the church it's same way with us like um praise and worship music we got um luange like if you're in the church you have quasads which is crusades that you have to have these things passed on because like even when, like i told you i learned my scriptures in french and they hit a little different than the english translations because in it, uh, in it, in the, even the Creole, you see the people emote the language with the emotions of their experience, mm. you know. And and so, as a person that has learned to, uh, I I don't just preach in English; I preach in Creole as well, you know. So it's it's a it's a total different experience. So if if you don't pass these things on, what what happens is you in, you increase the chasm of curiosity, but it's never met, you know, because like. The way Canaan, the way Canaan loves Florida, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just because he loves Florida; it's because he loves the culture that's in his grandma's home, right? right. He loves the smell of the food. You know, Canaan didn't want to eat none of these pre-made puree uh, <laughs> stuff. Like when it came to uh, Haitians, have this anybody that whether you you're Haitian or you're associated with Haitians, there's a rice that we make that anyone knows that cannot be duplicated, cannot be uh, competed with. It's called Dijonjon, which is like mushroom rice, right, basically. Um, so it's a blackened rice. You can make it with pigeon peas. You can make it with green peas. But the smell of the rice gives you a sense of, like, richness of, like, the not just the nutrients, because some people put coconut milk in it, mm-hmm. you know. So these things, like, if, if you don't pass it down, then, like, that sense of pride that I talked about, yeah. it's really, it's elusive. It's something that just, you'll, you, it's almost like how people love love songs based on circumstance. That's what will happen. You, you won't necessarily, it won't sustain you in those moments when you, when you recognize that you don't have that family member to teach you anymore. 
you know? That's so good. So, so like for me, what I, what I pass on to uh, Canaan is not just the language, not just the culture, but the experience. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad taught me that although I don't say love you, I love you to you because it wasn't said to me, but how I show it to you. You know, yes. and it, it's a culture yeah. thing. It's a communal yes. thing. It's a tribe thing. So mm-hmm. and that and that in the Haitian culture, you protect your family. You work for your family. You. And so I pass these things down. And and right now I'm not going to uh, say that Canaan speaks Creole or all those things. But Canaan responds to us in our because we, we mix molded. You know, and I talk I talk about Kringlish in a sense. So Kringlish. Yeah, Kringlish. So so I'm gonna give you a little Creole, I'm gonna give you a little English. But mm-hmm. the thing is you never in my in my in my experience, no one's gonna come into counter encounter Denard and say that, Oh, I didn't know you were Haitian. You know, what they're gonna say, man, man, I got Haitian friends and I'm glad you told me that. Yeah. And so that's my goal, like with anyone I encounter that you know you know a little bit about the experience, even if you don't understand the culture. So, sir, ma'am, <laughs> <laughs> woo. What the beautiful thing I can say about this series is that I'm learning so much about culture when it comes to mm. everyone that I've been able to interview. It's been absolute. It's, it's been a beautiful. Experience. Come on now, it's like a little masterpiece. <laughs> it's been beautiful, right? Right. It's, okay. Um. So. I know as we're we're going to be close um, close to wrapping up, and mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end I usually say, "What are your final thoughts?" And I like Jerry Springer's final thoughts mm. because those yeah, used I, to go left a lot. I got a couple so, of those. Yeah. So as you as we're wrapping up this this conversation that we're having, um, what would be some big takeaways for the audience or even for yourself um, to share with everyone about? your why, and how to just keep pressing forward. Mm. You can give me a second. Well, while you that. think about that, I yeah. do want to shout out um, your wife, okay? <laughs> um, I know I've said it to you before. I, I know I, I probably said it on a couple of occasions, but the way that she shares you with everyone mm-hmm. just speaks to how amazing she is. Aww. So, um I thank God that you said yes to this man. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing him with uh, all of us. So, yeah, you while you were thinking thinking about that, 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 helped, I did, did want to give you a um, shout out to her. Yeah, shout out to Olda. Shout out to Kanan. Bless y'all. And shout out to Baby coming May 22nd. Um, first and foremost, I would say to everyone, God loves you and he cares despite even what you think about yourself, right? Um, And also, as it relates to my why, and working with you, I learned this actually, um, and I I preach this all the time, like you should never make what you're doing more important than the people you do it with. And so, like, that's why I'm able to sit here and say, and I want to say publicly how proud of you I am as a recent graduate with your master's. Um, But (laughs) even on on top of that, the last thing I would say, man, is um, if your why is not bigger than you, then you don't know your who, right? Um, And for me, my who, like, matters, man. Yeah, It matters. I love my son. I love my wife. I love God, man, like, 
and I love the people I cheer on mm-hmm. because what I'm telling you, man, it's so easy to lose hope. It is so easy. But I believe that people matter and people have purpose. And if I'm going to say this. I was, oh, man, I didn't want to cry. I created this narrative in my mind that no one was there for me. But when I reflected, RJ, on my experience, man, Laura Katina Hamilton, I'm telling you, like, Every time I wanted to give up, it was a black woman that invested in me. Laura Catino Hamilton. I recall this, and I just want to share this before we go. Professionally, I was about to have an experience that where it was a breakdown. I felt I moved from financial aid. If anybody knows things with school, financial aid typically be where most of your black servants are. Yeah. Right? Yes. So, yes. so that's, that's where, where the angels at. Come on. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and then I, I got promoted within a year and a half. Laura Katina Hamilton. She saw me. She said, she's the uh, assistant director. She, she's supposed to be the one speaking at orientation. She said, I want you to speak. She didn't know me. And, but she saw something in me and eventually we become friends. And I learned the difference between a boss and a manager with her, but I went down to uh, uh, another department, Student Financial Services, and and it was predominantly white. But I that's when I knew I was the only black person, mm. right? Um, and I don't know if you've ever been in a position where someone makes you feel bad for doing good, but that's where I was constantly in. All the students wanted to come to me. That was a problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and fast forward, I go to Laura Katina Hamilton, and she. She taught me something. She was busy. Everybody was calling her name. And she said, Denar, just give me 10 seconds. I'm going to come right up and I'm going to meet with you. She stopped what she was doing. She made me feel important. You hear me? Yeah. I came up to um, Berrien in 2016. She died in a tragic accident. But the imprint she put on my life has taught me that when you take time with people, make sure they know that they're important. Make sure they know that they matter. Because time is not promised. Yeah. And RJ, you matter. You matter. And everyone that's listening matters. Now, my, I'm OG. I don't cry. Shoot, I'm OG. That's my wife. I've been crying. That's my wife, man. I've been loved upon, and I hope mm-hmm. that people experience love like the way I've experienced it. That's my why, man. Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Denar, thank you for just being you. who you are. <laughs> for being, uh, since the time I met you, transparent. <laughs> you like, hey, I'm going to tell you, like, this is what's going on. This is how it is. You've been that way since day one. I had no idea who Dinar was when I went into a meeting. I was like, oh, it's this guy. Okay. All right. We may be cool. And then it's like, boom, we cool. We cool. Um, But, no, you have encouraged me in a lot of ways. Um, One of the 
Denar, we, or I was a part of this group. Um, I'm still, I guess, part of this <laughs> evaluation <laughs> work group. And um, I remember Denar was, Denar is, I would say, more than just the timekeeper. Because, see, I mean, you, you, you're the scribe, you're the organizer. Uh-huh. But you said after one of those meetings is that I don't hear your voice enough. Mm. And next thing you know, it was like, man, I do need to speak up more in meetings. He was like, your your opinion is valuable. Mm-hmm. I need you to speak, like speak up. Mm-hmm. And it's been so many times before that people would cut me off. And then I'm just like, mm-hmm. well, I just don't need to say it. Whereas you were like, no, I need you to just speak up mm-hmm. and say what you got to say. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Because that, that group um, actually... <laughs> Helped the second season, yeah. you know, the yeah. and then it's like now we're in the third and we're just moving forward from there. So thank you for that. Just the oh, wow. connections I made and the people and it's it's been a great, great journey as far as thus far for that. But um, and it's so fitting that uh, I'm wearing because a lot of people usually ask me, like, what nail color are you wearing today? It's a flawless finale. Like, I feel like this was a flawless finale uh-huh. of this conversation. Um, so thank you so much for being here. Um, and that wraps up this conversation for the What's Your Why. And we are just so happy that Denar was able to be in town and share this moment with yeah, us. Was like that was that was number guy. Hello. <laughs> was Hello, because we were gonna be doing this virtually. I'm like, no, when you say you're gonna be down, yeah. yes. So um, we're wrapping up this conversation of What's Your Why with Denar. So thank you again. And I am your homegirl, Ranika, with the Please Do Tell podcast. And we will see you next time. Bye.